Hi, this is Roberta Fallon, and I'm here today at the Moore Gallery's uh, radio station with Clint Takeda and Scott Hewaker. Hi, guys. Hi, Hi Roberta. Um, Clint and Scott have a two-person show at Grizzly Grizzly this month, and it's called Wax and Wayne. And Clint is a Philadelphia artist and musician uh, known for Bardo Pond, among other things. Yep. And Scott is an artist, uh, writer, and musician, and based in San Francisco, and writes for various publications. Well, um, mostly Open Space, uh, SF Moments blog, and uh, Aquarius Records, uh, which just closed, but uh, I wrote mm -hmm. for them. Okay. And they, the, the origin story of the show, I want to get into that, because how do you guys know each other? There's a story that goes uh, 15 years ago, you met at blah, 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 and I don't know the rest of it, so tell us the story. It was the ICA, and uh, I was working there, and Scott was installing the East Meets West. Uh, Alex Baker's show. Alex Baker's show, and I yeah. was working there, and... Um, Scott was in one room, same room as Margaret, um, Kilgallen, and Joy Feasley was in the show, Jim Hauser, Chris Johansson. Claire Rojas. Claire Rojas. Yeah. And, yeah. So, yeah, three San Francisco artists and three uh, Philadelphia artists. Mm -hmm. So, sort of channeling folk and fantasy tropes yeah. uh, from the uh, two coasts. Okay, and you're a preparator at ICA, yes? Yeah. You said I that? I worked there for a long time. Yeah, I've been there. And, uh, in the band, but the, a lot of the band members worked there as well. Bardo Pond. Yeah, yeah, we did. But I remember really liking uh, Scott's work and got really attached to one particular painting. And uh, it was at the time when um, I think, basically, I was going to become head preparator at some point. But at that time, in installation, I had a choice to go on tour with Bardo to open for Mogwai. So I thought, and in Europe rather than the U.S., so I decided on that one. And then, but when I com came back, I became head prepared and had to deinstall. And that's when I actually we made a yeah or ma Alex helped me made it clear that I, I really liked that yeah. one painting. <laughs> but I think we met we yeah. met at, during the install. Right. I don't think it you was, had left yet. No, and no, I, first uh, I think Robert Cheney maybe <coughs> you know made the connection. Yeah, you right, know, you were in Bardo Pond. I was a fan, I'm a big psychedelic music fan, and I was a big fan of Bardo Pond. And so I was very excited, you know, that you know to to meet somebody from that, and you know, and being also in an art context yeah. as well. Yeah, and it was a great group of people in a great environment of like working and, and a lot of psychedelic um, art as well. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so I had that first week. That's right, because because Robert was taking uh, Chris around uh, shoe shopping. I remember and <laughs> yeah, um, and wheeling and dealing and stuff. Uh, but um, that's when we first met. Yeah. yeah. So Mark, do yeah. you remember what you talked about? Did you talk shop? Did you talk music? Because <laughs> you were at a band at the time. Yeah, I had a band, a band at the time at called the time? Troll mm -hmm. um, that, you know, that this not very many people know about, but uh, sort of influential in some, some circles. Like uh, Devendra Banhart was a big fan of ours and championed us a lot. Uh, and we didn't really last that long, but we had one kind of big record that we uh, self-produced. Uh, so I gave it copy, mm -hmm. I believe, to you. Yeah. I gave yeah. a, you know, a bunch of copies around. I felt like the Philadelphia community and the San Francisco community were really kind of uh, compatible yeah. uh, in terms, you know, in terms of uh, I don't know connection and uh, interests and scenes and stuff. So mm -hmm. yeah, it worked. Out. And I think I, I saw I met you again in San Francisco when the when Barta was touring 
out there. Oh, right, at one right. Point came to a show. Yeah, it came to show the bottom. Yeah, hill. and we yeah. always got a great reaction there. You know, sometimes in Philly, I mean, we, we, we get respect here and it's all it's great, but sometimes it's like you guys are still doing it. <laughs> yeah, so it's it's called uh, you know uh, eternal. Uh, but so, but in San Francisco, we would get this kind of big, uh, really great response. Meaning, oh, yeah. like you know, we don't go out there that much. So that's I remember you came and saw us. Yeah, that, yeah, I, yeah. That's right. And uh, I yeah, and I had got the painting, and I still owed you, like meaning, okay. and right. I didn't have anything on me, so I kind of thought. Well, I, at least I can give them some free CDs. <laughs> and, and to this day, I've felt guilty about it. And, I um, think I see a trade coming out yeah, of this new yeah. show. Well, yes. So we're gonna, uh, yeah, we're going to work that out. Um, uh, but I was happy to, I was like, wow, you know, rare CDR recordings not available. I was, you know, such a fanboy anyway. So I was like. So it what was, is it about psychedelia and music that, I mean. I mean, I don't know if it's something that's like easily, you know, uh, easily quantified, but, yeah. you know, there was just something, I mean, it's in terms emotional, of, right? It's, yeah. There's a, a deep well, emotional thing. It's emotional and sensory, for mm -hmm. sure. Um, and, and not quite physical in the same, you know, it's, it's in the mind a lot and it's in vision. Um, and I think it manifests itself in lots of ways, and there's connections between sort of like, you know, my paintings, yeah. painting practices and music and being in that environment of sound and vision at the same time. And, you know, uh -huh. I'm a big record collector, so yeah. I like to have music as sort of an influence in terms of the painting, visual paint practice. while yeah. you're listening to Bardo Pond and other things? Oh, lots of things, yeah. yeah. I mean, I have a wide range of, you know, musical tastes. <laughs> I have a, you know... Myself, I have a collection of about 10,000 records that I collect with my husband. Vinyl records? Vinyl records. Wow. Plus CDs, plus tapes. Um, and they're not really categorized in any way, but, you know, my, my husband and I made our, you know, a relationship kind of solid through our mutual record uh, co uh, collections. And so, and we DJ, and so there's something about, like, the environment and bringing people together in this way that's not about... I don't know, uh, commerce, I guess. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Sometimes. And, 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 and um, just real general sense of play. Yeah. You know, uh, colors, uh, you know, just exploration, immediacy of, of, like, creating something and having something. Yeah, there. and uh, mutating structures and, you know, that. But community, I think it's interesting you said that because I was reading about Bardo Pond and it said that you are a tape, taper-friendly yeah, band. Very, yeah. I had never heard that term before, but uh -huh. explain what that means. Well, we're not very precious about like people like acquiring and making records of our sounds, and then maybe you know. But to spread them is only good news for us. It's it just spreads you know a, a good show, <laughs> spreads love, and, uh, and 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 we gain friends that way. So there's a lot of friends that we develop just by them showing up with this incredible rig, and we go, what the hell is that? Or you know, you know, someone with the mic on his headphone. And, was and it like the like, Grateful Dead experience? It, like, no. I don't, not to that extent, <laughs> but you know, that, you know, I'm sure uh, like-minded people. So, um, yeah, we've always uh, encouraged that, and we've developed like long friendships just to people who do that and are, are into that. And it's funny, like you'll ask, well, do you have a tape of this band? And they're like, yeah, and they'll have it, and because you know, they're archivists in general, sort of, or you know, uh, whatnot. Right. And um, it's. Um, well, and I bet your live experiences are different from your recorded experiences, yeah. too. They change. I mean, I think in general, we're, it, fundamentally, we're a live band. Because even live, when we record our records, 
uh, I mean, uh, yeah, their live sort of experience. We don't really, I mean, we track and stuff like that, but general, it's a live take, and if that's a good take, then that's probably, you know, what, what we're gonna use. So <coughs> let's swing around back to art again, because you both make art, and you have this show. We just saw the show, people. We were at their show a minute ago, and um, there's sculpture, there's paintings. They both paint, and Clint made sculptures. And it works very well as an ensemble, you know, in the Barnesian sense that everything mm -hmm. feels like it's Great. organized by a curator of some sort. But I, I think you probably did this together, right? You in some hung ways, it together in, in a way? In some ways, I think Amy Hicks, mm -hmm. who was the one that just that brought us together, mm -hmm. the curator, uh, that, uh, you know, I think she sort of made a couple of tweaks and decisions that mm -hmm. I think helped kind of unify the, the hanging of the show. Yeah. Um, so I think both of us have, um, you know, a sense of not wanting to uh, yeah. take over too much uh -huh. or, like, be respectful yeah. of each other right. and, like, oh, yeah. maybe this, maybe, right. you know, and then having a, like, you know. There was like, no definite, like, stomp, putting a foot down going, this one's mine, or dubs that wall. And, yeah. and we met first on Monday to get started, but with work schedules, we couldn't be there at the same time, but... You know, I think it's like uh, you know Scott made the first move and did your your line mm -hmm. uh, uh, orgasmic psychedelic <laughs> colors, <laughs> Column, you know, yeah. um, uh, you know uh, orbs, and uh, then I went from there, and you know uh, we kind of kept adding. And Amy did a great job with just sort of facilitating. And it's like you know it was like well maybe we'll switch walls, we'll go. Yeah. And, it, and I think there was a tendency sometimes at first I was there alone for one day a little bit. Uh, too long maybe and I just started getting just making a line of paintings and it, and it was not, not intrusive it just was like I'll just I need to do something because right. I got I got one monkey on the ceiling which was like took a lot longer than I thought and then I started going with this and then once you came we realized okay let's put your wall of paintings or your grid mm. on that side and I'll go and rotate over to the yeah, side. it was better to have it integrated instead right. of having like yeah. my wall, his wall kind of thing, so that it felt that you know it's that quite there was seamless. A, yeah, exactly mm -hmm. that it, the work yeah. went together. Yeah. Even though the work wasn't made with mm -hmm. knowing what exactly we were gonna do, I sent him yeah. some images, right? Um, you know, to give him an idea, and he you know, I got some yeah. images uh, from Amy, right. and so. So we have these vague clues, but I think you're like, yeah. Once I put the ceiling monkey, goes okay. If the monkey's gonna do that, then we'll let's do. We'll have to do something else. And we reacted to it, and I thought that that was good. Mm -hmm. And and if I like the way we just sort of like kind of felt it, you know, sort of feel. Yeah. And but it. like, let it be kind of organic at the same yeah, time, yeah, where yeah. it wasn't really like feeling that feeling. Strict. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. All right, so let, let's tell people about the monkeys because you've mentioned them, but we, oh, people don't know what the monkeys are. So <laughs> there are four monkeys in the space. Yeah. One yeah. is upside down, hanging from the ceiling. Right, one's hanging from the ceiling. Off and the of other a, three are sort of in the space about yeah. eye level, a little under a little eye lower. level. You kind of look down, look down at them. This, the, the one that comes from the ceiling, uh, you kind of have to look up, mm -hmm. and he looks down at you. And it was kind of, for me, the, the impulse was when Amy first asked me, you know, to show with Scott, and then uh, realized, oh, oh, I know Scott. Uh, but the first thought of with the gallery, Grizzly Grizzly, I like, oh, it's a small space, but the ceilings are, I can hang from the ceilings. I can make ceiling monkeys, and they'll be, you know, and and we'll go from there. And then, then the idea is, well, the guys are upside down. Then I thought of the idea of having a face that could be right side up or upside down, but or right whatever way you put the monkey's body. 
So that's kind of how I started, and um, they're made out of wire, foam, and um, plaster, plaster, and sawdust, basically. And, and they're sort of biographical, autobiographical. They're very animal, yeah. but they're a little anthropomorphic, a yeah. little like children right. or a little like yeah. people. My, yeah, my girlfriend Claire says, well, are you going to have a situation they're going to ask you, well, it doesn't quite look like a monkey, does it? I'm like, well, I just call them monkeys. Like, my cat I call monkey, but he's not a monkey. He's a cat. And so I just felt like that's what happened. And at a certain point, I was like, a monkey, monkey, this is easier. I like saying the word. And next thing you know, I've, I'm making this guy. And I'm like, you know, I don't think I'm making monkeys. And then it was because their faces started looking a little different. And their nose, it, when you make a face that's right, like, upside down and right side up, it's hard to do the nose, you know. So then that's why they have this kind of roundest, roundish face. And then I realized, okay, maybe they're these other things. But whatever that is, they're just well, a, they're, a body. They're a body, they're exactly. Yeah. And they're very, they gesticulate, mm -hmm. the, the three of them. I'm not sure whether the one that's hanging from the ceiling is gesticulating. But the ones that you yeah. can look down on are kind of look, holding up their hands right. to you or mm -hmm. saying something with their yeah. hands. Their mouths are open. Right. Like They're at this moment of either awe or... Um, uh, overwhelming fear, or just that state where I'd like to, you could project what you feel like to them. So their faces have that sort of uh, an expression of a certain moment, of a certain, uh, a clearing that happens in, to, in them. An emotional yeah. and spiritual right. kind a of realization. Moment. Yeah. But also the hands yeah. kind of suggest that, that too. Um, they do yeah. feel like spiritual figures, mm -hmm. too, they or do. something, as sort They're of iconic. surrogates for. Yeah. yeah, and not, I mean, they are animal, but yeah. they do have a spirit quality right, to right. them. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because I'd say monkey, but then they do come off. They're otherworldly. Yeah. And I like that. So, and that's kind of where they ended up. Mm -hmm. And the older one, there's another, the fourth one that's more monkey. He's a little less otherworldly, but he's more of a singer. I don't know. <laughs> he's, pre he's pretty otherworldly, okay, he's too. Yeah, oh, he's yeah, okay. he's definitely right, in there. They're all possible. <laughs> but, you know, possible spirits are possible. So I, I want to say there's something very spiritual about your work too, yeah. Um, because you're, you have a grid. Let's talk about the grid, and there's some biography in that as you were explaining it. There's, yeah. well, the, the yeah the grid you know came from seeing uh, the you know uh, the the Chapel of the Chimes in Oakland, uh, which was sort of the the sort of formal impetus for a lot of this work. Um, which is a columbarium, and a columbarium is sort of different from a cemetery or like a mausoleum in the sense that people uh, intern their ashes into these urns and they're visible to the public, and they often have totems of memory about their lives, pictures sometimes. Um, and there's some really sad ones and really poignant ones, and, um, but the, there's also very old ones from uh, turn of the century, and so there's very kind of historical uh, legacy uh, around the columbarium, but it has a kind of gentle uh, otherworldly quality in the sense that it was built by Julia Morgan, who's a California uh, modernist architect, uh, similar to Frank, Frank Lloyd Wright, who used uh, very kind of natural uh, materials. There's like an abstract spirituality throughout. Um, no, there's... It's a very um, inclusive, denominationally um, uh, uh, oriented place, so multiple faiths, 
Um, but there's a lot of stained glass, a lot of light, a lot of air. Uh, there's um, gardens in there and water and fountains and things like that. So the grid is sort of similar to how the, you know, the layout of the uh, chapel is. And so some of the stained glass uh, in the, you know, coloring um, in the paintings, it's, a, you know, kind of a bright sort of vivid quality rather than a somber uh, quality to the work. And, um, and so a lot of it is dealing with sort of memory or signs of memory, uh, not so much about the notion of death, but, the, you know, how we remember and uh, take care of loss uh, in our lives and sort of, you know, try to uh, connect with it and uh, become whole, I guess, in some ways. I, I think it's interesting that the show is called Wax and Wane, which, I mean, the obvious um, referent is the moon, right? right. And the moon mm -hmm. is about at least from a human point of view, it's kind of longing, right? Mm -hmm. You're longing for this beautiful thing. So it's very spiritual in mm -hmm. a way. Is that what you had in mind when you... Well, it's about cycles, mm -hmm. too, yeah. and, you know, things changing and coming around again and, uh, and time passing and history. Um, and uh, mm -hmm. interesting, it's also like... Kafka twin song that, <laughs> that I think you know it's also like one of my yeah. first favorite like right. goth yeah that, song. when you say that I just get very emotional yeah like, I know, I, 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 like an emotional present emotional presence as a band yeah you know, they have that yeah um, but that's really, yeah so you both I, knew that reference and who 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 suggested the title I, well I think we were going back for that and we were like we need a title. Yeah. And uh, Scott had a list, and he had made a list. And I went through, and I'm just like, best one works, you know. Yeah. The best ones, Wax and Wayne. Yeah. And I just thought. Well, you know, Clint offered a title that was a little oh. more more suggestive of, of his mm -hmm. of his work. And yeah. And I was, and I, you know, I was trying to be very diplomatic about it. And I was like, well, <laughs> can maybe tell. we can abbre we could abbreviate it, or yeah. you know, call it like shorten it maybe, mm -hmm. and so that it, it, it maybe applied mm -hmm. more to both of us. Or something, but I tend when we're email exchange, yeah. you know, instead of going back and forth, I'm like, I'm just gonna like come yeah. up with a list of things off the top of my head that I yeah. think, you know, I try to be imp uh, imp uh, empathic, works, yeah. You know, like try to like, yeah. hey, maybe he'll like this, mm -hmm. or, you know, like, and try to be a middle ground, like yeah. come come to a, like a. a you know, uh, a common yeah. place. And it worked, because otherwise we'd be going back and forth. But I always go with the idea that a, a good idea is a good idea, and it doesn't matter where, you know. So I saw that, uh, because my working title, you know, was Ceiling Monkey Eats Bear. <laughs> Didn't quite, it was so specific. <laughs> and it was just a working title for me, and from yeah. the original idea. So And then I was like, well, maybe monkey away. and bear, because you're kind of a monkey right. and I'm kind of a bear. <laughs> but, you know, yeah. but then I was like, I don't know. You know, we were just sort of joking around. But, yeah, but I, Wax and Wayne seemed more appropriate and yeah. a little, little more open-ended, open-ended, a little elusive, yeah. a little elusive yeah. and it kind of reminded mm -hmm. me also of Tennessee Williams. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, explain that reference. I didn't understand that reference. Well, I guess I don't know. I've been reading. I read Tennessee Williams memoirs, and we were in New Orleans. New Orleans, uh, um, seeing uh, uh, we saw his house, and I don't know. I guess there was something about New Orleans to me too that. You know, when I when I talked with them about what I wanted to do, sort of cemented the I you know brought home more of the idea of what I wanted. And it's not Tennessee Williams directly, I guess, but it's just uh, uh, it was this quote about that uh, uh, in memory everything happens mm -hmm. to music, 
uh, or everything seems to happen to music, something like mm-hmm. that. And I think it's from Glass Menagerie. And about, you know, but that oftentimes that when we're, you know, when the past is represented, mm-hmm. even in film mm-hmm. and in, in plays or stage or yeah. something, that, that the, the music is sort of a cue to things. And, um, and I might be losing my point about what that meant with Wax and Wayne, but I don't know, <laughs> it's just something about a cycle mm-hmm. or time how time and sound and memory kind of right. come together yeah. and I, yeah i think it's kind of interesting because it, it kind of reflect now that i've just you're saying that it thinks I, it reflects to me my relationship with music and art like it waxes and wanes and it rotates and one is like a planet going around the other and one comes fo- to the forefront and then all the, you know you get tired of that or you get excited by that and then the other one comes and they come together and they cross over but it seems to be this other, like two worlds, like rotate. You know, right. Um, they don't ever collide. Uh, not eh, sometimes, but I don't. They seem to just go around. Oh, the other one's somewhere else, and yeah. this one's here. Yeah. And yeah. in general. I yeah, mean, the sort of a rising and a fading, right. and and uh, one yeah. can come to assist the other at times, and that can be very helpful. <laughs> Definitely. Uh, and and sometimes it just doesn't work out. Like yeah. I, I think we thought of. Uh, uh, I've had this idea that I'd have my base cabinet there, and just because I thought, well, we'd have a performance, and then I was like, well, then the base cabinet would be there, so we could jam <laughs> at the opening, and also we would have a soundtrack that would come out, and it was not practical at all, but that was an initial idea. And as yeah, because yeah. you know, and I was all, I mean, I was all up for it, you know, but then you know, the space, <laughs> seemed like, the, space real, the space, small. and the, well, and the heat, and oh, the, yeah. And uh, the logistics idea. of it were just right. like it didn't seem as a live thing. It was it was bad, but I saw even the soundtrack thing was just like it was so intrusive on Scott's situation of painting theory, and suddenly there was just rumbling soundtrack. And well, I wouldn't have minded yeah, that, but I think yeah. it's just the sort of you know like yeah. having the people in there and trying to see and then trying to yeah, be in there else. and try to work. And like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. It just. No. Uh, some, if, it, if our work was like somehow more uh, punk rock or more immediate or something, uh-huh, we, like you know, yeah, I don't know. Bunches. Somehow, somehow it would yeah. be. But mm-hmm. I feel like there's kind of a, an elegiac quality yeah. to mm-hmm. the, the show and the work, and uh, that I feel like it would have been yeah. disruptive. Yeah, it was fine. It was it was a, a good that I think I got fixated on. Th- I get fixated on things and I can't. Fix- oh, that's that has to be that has to be in there too. And then realize I'm driving myself crazy, and let's just calm down. And <laughs> yeah, you know, it's okay. well. I think it's always worrying about like what the other right. might think, sure. or like oh, you know, right. and so and you know, probably uh, in a different space it could have worked. And we, oh yeah, know. maybe a bigger yeah. space. Yeah. Well, it just says to me that you guys are both really good collaborators. You have a history, both of you. Mm-hmm. I think in bands, don't you? I mean, you have to be collaborating. You have to. Yeah. In order to mm-hmm. make it in a band, don't mm-hmm. you? And, but yeah. in art. It's a lot of mavericks, not a lot of mm-hmm. people that collaborate. Yeah. Right. So, yeah. do you you mm-hmm. don't collaborate in your art practice? Do I you? don't. No. Not not so much. Not so much in the sense that like two people are working on the same piece or something like that. Yeah. But I you know but I do I work off of people's mm-hmm. energy. Yeah. So if I'm in a show with somebody, I really try to make it connect mm-hmm. in some way and not not. Be a maverick on right. my own and be like, okay, this yeah. is what I'm gonna do. I don't care what you do. Right. Like, as long as you don't interrupt me uh-huh. or step on me, I don't care. Right. Like that, th- that doesn't seem fun. Yeah. Or, you know, and and I've always, I, you know, like whenever I, I do work with somebody or have a, you know, I really mm-hmm. want to bring it yeah. together and I want to bring all the people involved. 
in some way together. Yeah, yeah. So like you know, like I made a painting for Amy, uh-huh. like a phone number painting. Yeah. And, you know, and and then I, and then That's you got nice. a painting yeah. too. That, yeah. You know, it just happened. Great. Like I had one it painting worked. left, and yeah. you know, and I was like, oh great. You know, I like the the gift mm-hmm. the gift aspect of art too. Yeah. Um, Music is a gift, also. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Can be. Yeah, no, definitely. I think the 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 art artistic act is works with us on tour in a weird way. I bring a lot of sketchbooks, so it tends to be we'll do on downtime between uh, shows on the tour. We'll do collaborative drawings. The band will, and I'll I'll do I'll start a drawing, and then I'll pass it around, and then we'll sit around like after the show or whatever, and that. So I have an accumulation of all these little moleskin notebooks with all these collaborative drawings, but not just us, but other bands, other people, and it's it's a kind of calming, kind of focusing thing rather than just getting wasted. <laughs> you could do you could have a couple of drinks, and then you could just draw, and we did that. We did it with Michael Morley, uh, Gate, and. Uh, um, someone else was there, Byron Colleen, and we're just uh. drawing. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Uh, but you have to remember the rule is bring your own notebook, because then otherwise, uh, then you get to have. And so when you do that, everybody brings your notebook. Otherwise, I'm like, sorry, but these are my notebooks. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, we're just drawing stuff. But I've had, I'll say, okay, well, I'll, ta- I'll test them out. What a great idea. Great idea. <laughs> it, it worked on tour, because on tour you can mm-hmm. go crazy kind of maddening sort of the routine, but the drawing opens up a different area and relieves stuff, and and it's fun, a lot of fun. So. Talk about the audience for art. Who's the audience for your art, do you think? Who, who's, who's your ideal audience? Who do you paint for? <laughs> well, ultimately, I must, I mean, I, I you know, I ultimately, I think I paint for myself. At, at a, you know, I don't know who my I, I can't say who my ideal audience is because sometimes uh, I just you know it's so hard just to even figure out what I want to paint, mm-hmm. and uh, and deciding that and planning that is a, you know takes a while, and I have to give myself exercises and assignments to sort of get my head onto something else where I can just get into a working mode. And so organizing principles is a big part of it and finding things like color and, uh, I don't know, themes of, you know, uh, you know sex, memory. Uh, um, personal. You're channeling personal things, yeah, aren't you? Yeah. Hallucinations, my brain, um, mm-hmm. clairvoyance, uh, ephemeral kinds of things that um, are really hard to uh, sort of... Um, make physical in the world and that are, seem to only be in my head um, poetry uh, and you know and definitely music mm-hmm. uh, that kind of come out and so I don't know I, it kind of manifests itself through a process and, I, and then something comes out of it and then ultimately then I feel like it can be sort of brought if there's a connection enough work that goes together and then I can yeah. feel like that has something visual to say that people can respond to, whether they know the impetus of the whole thing I went through or not. I'm, you know, I, I'm, I'm not always sure I need to be concerned about that, but I do, I would do find myself like I don't want anybody to think, oh, it's whatever, whatever they get out of it either, and so that's where it becomes complicated. So you know, uh, when I did those uh, like psychedelic landscapes yeah. that were in the folk and fantasy show, <clears throat> and, you know, the, when people were like, oh, you do whimsical dreamscapes, yeah. it was like. Like, oh, that was like the last thing I really <laughs> wanted to hear, you know, because it was just, it felt, it felt like that's it. It was like, that was the surface of yeah. it and not going deeper into like why 
some of these things why I was making it they came out of a lot of more complicated uh, emotions of uh, you know spirituality and religious upbringing and right. things like right. that and right. about like right. you know not being satisfied uh-huh. with paradise or like yeah. you know like or being being guilty sure. for being satisfied yeah. for right. wanting a, a paradise uh-huh. or something like that yeah. I don't know it's very strange but that's I, in the depths of the images the depths in the paintings and I think you could feel that uh, you know. Um, the weight of that possibly in there because of what you're feeling, but maybe not necessarily the details yeah. that are read. But yeah. Art is not emotional the way music is, and so people don't have that relationship with it. It doesn't pull mm-hmm. at your heartstrings. Yeah. And so immediately you're in the mind game of references, and mm-hmm. if you don't have a reference, you just kind of shut down yeah. in a way. Yeah. So that's yeah. a little tough well, yeah, to be I, an artist. I know. Way. Well, that's the thing I've been teaching like my students about context and like context mm-hmm. in art is sometimes... For me, it feels like it's a necessary evil because I really would love for people to like really read into the face value mm-hmm. of something, but oftentimes that face value is the most shallowest surface yeah. layer, mm-hmm. and so some people do need a little uh, prompting and guiding towards what what an artist's intention might mean, mm-hmm. and what that how that relates to a deeper sense of what the what the painting can convey that might not be there on the surface. So, visually. is that the responsibility of the artist? I mean, who educates the viewer? Yeah, you know. Who's the first person to educate the viewer? I mean, public schools aren't doing it anymore. Colleges, I mean, you might take a class, you might not. Yeah, yeah I think sometimes hard. museums and curators do mm-hmm. to a certain extent, but I feel like they also rely on the artists to really m- make sure that their intentions are clear. I don't know. I mean, I think only after maybe an artist passes that, and if the artist has not been written about or discussed or thought about that maybe something has to be brought up out of out of their history out of you know understanding their life and their decisions to uh, figure out what that might um uh you know how that might relate you know to, you know so i don't know so, i mean i go through a whole thing with that where i try you know i really want somebody else to explain my work yeah. to me it's talk uh, you know i think as i get older i just become more selfish I just want to make what I want what I want to see and I feel like if I trust that basic instinct something strong will come out of it whether it I don't know about the details and like in a way my paintings are very uh, it's just about surprise and being surprised by this view and, and because it's less uh, a familiar process for me it's almost like flat sculpture and I just do these things on panels. I wash them off. I, I sand them. I do them until something surprising happens. That maybe you'd say it's just accidental, but it's also something like uh, ha- happens. And then I have no control, and I'm like wonderfully surprised. And it's like improvisation. Yeah, in a way. Yeah, it's true because that's the thing about the music that you you just get it or you don't, and you play and you play well and you have a tune. And that's the thing about music that's so immediate. It's like, can you dig it? Do you dig it? All right, that's it. Whereas uh, on the other end, the art part is like, Jesus Christ, I gotta explain how you dig it? Can you dig it? How can you talk about this? Right, so that's the tough part, and the thing that goes round and round. But it's, uh, uh, yeah. Uh, but anyway, and with the monkeys, it's like, I want those guys, whatever they are, if they have monkeys or not, let's just say they're not, okay, but let, I, yeah. I just want them to be here. I want to see that. I want to see those objects, like in reality, and see what it does to me, and see wh- how it maybe makes other people feel. Uh, but that's kind of the, 
thing, but it's tough. Make to people feel. That's yeah. a good mm -hmm. thing to want, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. For an artist. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I do like want to have a good visual response. Yeah. I want I want somebody, you know, like, you know, I don't I don't mm -hmm. want it to be I I I sometimes uh uh you know, have kind of a vague you know, a vague idea, but I really do want it to stand on its own visually and, you know, so that people have a good visual response to anything that I do, whether they understand it ultimately or not. Is That's, like, really important is that visual presence uh, in the work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So one final question. Sure. What's going on with both of you after this show is over? You're, Scott, you're going to be teaching? You. Yes, uh, start teaching when I uh, when I return. I return on Labor Day, and then two days later, I start school. At, uh, I teach at CCA, uh, the California College of the Arts in Oakland, and I teach foundational classes in color um, to the freshmen. So it's a required class, and so I teach there. But also during this work, I was also making mm -hmm. three separate bodies of work. Oh, really? Uh, for the yeah, yeah I have an unusually busy fall schedule. Um, and I have a tiny studio, and uh, and I usually don't like to work in a lot of clutter, but I was making three different bodies of work in my studio. So I have a show at NIAD uh, 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 in Richmond, California, um, when I get back on the 10th that opens, called Heads of State, um, that are these portraits, kind of abstract uh, figurehead kind of portraits mm -hmm. that, uh, that I just, you know, sort of started working on really off the cuff. And turned out very interestingly. Um, and then a show in November at Gallery 16 with my husband Cliff Hanks called uh, Golden Prison. Um, and so we're sort of working on uh, uh, color and um, sort of in the realm of sort of gentrification uh, in San Francisco, um, but also our practices being very humble uh, and trying to uh, sort of navigate kind of the current climate in San Francisco, so that is in November. Uh, yeah, is so. that work all made already, or you're now? I'm gonna be. Oh. I mean, I started the process for the one of the first. Uh, I'm doing a block print um, for it, and uh, so, but I have to start working on the main components. Eclipse got a bunch of work started, and so we're just sort of starting on an impetus, and then seeing what comes out of it through sort of the dialogue. Um, of, of the work, so colors are organizing principle, but uh, you know, but we're sort of seeing our uh, our town sort of get uh, sort of beat up and uh, by commerce and money and uh, and the community sort of being blown apart, um, really quite savagely. So, uh, so it's sort of our response to it because we've sort of been lucky to kind of stay where we are, and uh, but uh, everything else around us has been has left. Wow. Oh. <clears throat> How about you, Clint? Uh, well, uh, I feel relieved that I'm, uh, we're going to have this opening. I'm going to be done because I just went through like this month of like home renovation, which was hell, but it's done. And then, then the, the couple weeks to finish for the show, you know. And it was good, but I'm glad that I want to see, you know, uh, how the sculptures, uh, you know, people react to those. Um, it's tough. The paintings are just funner to do. The process for the sculpture becomes kind of stressful and painful for me because I have a lot of control. I know what they want to be, but it, it's it's just tougher. But I'm happy the way they came out. But on the music front, the band is, you know, we've been kind of off for a while, which is kind of I needed. But next, not next week, the week after, we're playing at Johnny Brenda's. Bardo is uh, for Johnny Brenda's 10th year anniversary. Wow. So that's exciting. We're playing on Tuesday. 
which I think is the 13th, but with Birds of Maya and uh, Chris Forsyth, two uh, great local acts, bands. Um, and so that'll be a fun night. And, and do people need to get tickets for that right now? They could, you know. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, maybe, you know, yeah. just in case. I'm always bad about that. Sounds like a fantastic lineup. Though. Yeah, it'll be fun. I yeah. wish you were going to do Yeah, I know. I wish there's like, so many things yeah, happening. We didn't get to do the after, show. Uh, yeah. After I leave. Right, um, right. But, yeah, that's in the immediate history. And then later, I think we're, Bardo's going to Chicago. We're playing, it's like a fifth anniversary place called The Owl. I think we're playing in October. And then possibly New York City with Byron Coley and a bunch of great artists. Gary Panner, Savage Pencil, uh, Thurston Moore. At, uh, I can't remember, but it's in November. <laughs> it's later. But you could probably find that out. Cool. So that's the deal. Thank you so much, Clint Takeda, Scott Hewaker. It's been Thank great you. talking. Thank you. All right. Roberta. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Bye.